Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome back, everyone, to the Kenny Wallace Show, brought to you by Jags, the leader in high-performance aftermarket car parts. Remember to go to jags.com for everything and anything you need. Boy, are we lucky again. We just get lucky every week. Out of Rochester, Michigan, one of the greatest NASCAR drivers ever, and he did it all in a short period of time, Brad Keselowski. Brad, welcome to Kenny Conversation. Hey, glad to be on here. I, I, I'm ready. Are, are you going to put the, the hard questions on me or the easy ones? What do you got for me today, Kenny? It's Kenny Conversation. That means we're friends. We just break it down. We don't rough anybody up. So let's start like this, Brad. Let's start okay. like this. So you're out of Rochester, Michigan. You're a kid. You're watching your dad, uh, the legend Bob, race. I guess there's five of you kids. Is that right? That's right. And you're the youngest one. And and out of nowhere, you know, you pass the whole family up and you become the 2012 NASCAR champion. 35 cup wins, all the marquee events. Now, as I'm reading this off to myself, I'm thinking, damn, he did a lot. You know, the Coke 600, the Brickyard 400, the Southern 500. Now, I'm not done. You checked all the boxes. 2010 Xfinity champion. So let's start the Kenny conversation like this. Now that I've laid the platform, you've done it all. You've truly done it all. As you look back on that road to get to where you're at right now, the journey had to be really fast. One of the quickest journeys that I've, that I've watched. What's it feel like right now to be in your position? Feels like I haven't done enough, Kenny. <laughs> you know, I to be honest, um, I have so much more I want to do. Um, you know, and, and uh, I'm missing the Daytona 500. I'm missing the second championship. I'm grateful for all the sex, success I've had, Kenny. Don't get me wrong. But I'm really hungry for more. I really want more. I want to be more than, than what I am today. Um, and, and maybe that's just being greedy. I don't know. I, I read a lot, and, you know, try to understand those things. But you know, I want to be a successful team owner when I'm done driving. You know, I want to be a part of the sport and, until the day I die. And, um, you know, uh, I feel like I got a lot left to do. But I, I am proud of, of where I've been. I'm proud of the people I got to work with as much as anything else. I'm just amazed that I had those opportunities. Uh, I couldn't have been successful without any of them. Uh, you know, I, every one of them was such a critical role for me where I feel like I learned something from. But, I mean, I, I guess I feel like, to answer your question, glass half full. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot more room left to fill the glass up. So I, um, w- when I first really laid eyes on you, I was at Robert Yates Racing and uh, Ricky Rudd got hurt. And I think you know where this story's going. Sometimes, sometimes it's very hard for us to understand people. And I was very lucky that day to be sitting in Robert Yates's race shop and I was taken over for Ricky Rudd because he got hurt. And in, in you came, you come walking in 
with with a checkbook like this. Yes, yes, I did. Yep. And that's what that's what I use to this day. We, we're we're business people, so you come walking in with that checkbook, and I thought, damn, look at this guy, man, he's on it. He, Brad's like me. He probably welds and bump steers his car and builds his shocks. What were you doing that day? Now, this day was way before you become a NASCAR champion. What were you doing that day? That would have been, I don't know, probably June of 2007, if I had Look to guess. Might have, might have been a little later. Might have been, uh, Ricky got hurt, I think, in August. So it might have been, it was late summer, 2007. Yeah. And uh, my career was struggling. And when I say, I, I, I don't mean that lightly. I mean, my career was on the ropes. Um, and, and at the time, my family business was was gone. It had been sold off. What was, was your family really, business? Well, my dad had effectively a speed shop that made its way into being a NASCAR team. Hmm. Um, and when he got sick and when my uh, uncle retired, there was, you know, there wasn't enough stability there to run the business. And then and, and that was really what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a part of that business. And so they kind of put me in some way out on the streets and uh, I, you know, I had to take odd jobs in racing people or, or whatever it took working on cars tire guy and uh, eventually I got to where I ran into a couple of people who said hey I want to run an ARCA car will you help me and I said yeah I'll, I'll start a company and I'll run the car for you you buy the car you, and, and uh, we'll go and next thing I knew I, I had an ARCA team and this was 2007 and uh, we needed cars so that's how I got to Robert Yates Racing in 2007 and uh, I would go to the test with the ARCA team and try to learn and while I was at the test, I would, um, you know, soak it all up. And uh, eventually it, it just, it helped spur my career. I, I've always been a whatever it takes kind of guy. Yeah. And when my driving career fell flat on its face, probably middle to, to end of 2006, I had to be resourceful. And, and uh, I was able to stay in the sport and reboot my career about that time. You know, you're, you're, you're so mature and analytical. You remind me a lot of Jeff Burton. You both are great race car drivers. Uh, as I look at your family, you know, you're, you're the baby, but you act like the grown-up. Where, where did that come from? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, my, my wife says the same thing about me, and I don't know what that means. Well, I'm proud of bad. myself. I recognize that. You're very analytical. Yeah, I guess um, I read a lot. I study a lot. Um, I love to study. I don't. I hated school. Absolutely hated school. Kenny. Me too, because I wanted to be at the racetrack. I want. Yeah, I wanted to be at the racetrack, and and when I find something I love, I just sink my teeth into it and don't let it go like a dog, you know. And um, racing was was that for me as it was for you. And uh, so I consume everything I can on it. I read everything I can on it. I read things that aren't related to racing that I think will help me be better in racing. Um, and, and that's just who I am. And I guess uh, it's really out of my passion and desire to be successful that, you know, I, I, I just double down on every area that shows success. And, and if being more analytical and, and being, you know, more well-versed on certain things makes me better in the car, I invest in it. So we, we, we've, uh, we've laid the platform. You're, you're the fifth child. You're the baby. You struggled. Your career was on the ropes. But, but just like in the movies, one hot night in Memphis, baby. <laughs> yeah so we we were all i mean listen you're gonna straighten me out this is the kenny conversation go ahead it's a conversation so you can straighten me out so one hot night in memphis i think is somewhere in the middle of the summer i don't know when it was but we're all watching 
And all of a sudden, this Brad Keselowski kid gets a break. And you're fighting for the win. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Dale Jr. gets all over social media. I mean, was that the pivotal point? Was that the point that put you on the map in NASCAR as a race car driver? Yeah, you know, I, I always hesitate to say there's one moment in anyone's career that defines them. But I think there are moments that define them more than others. And, and for me, that was one of the biggest breakthrough nights of my career. I was stuck in mediocrity. And I wasn't breaking through. I wasn't getting any attention from any big teams. I wasn't generating any opportunities. And, and that night changed everything for me about generating opportunities. Now, I still had to capitalize on the opportunities that came after that, Kenny. Yeah. But that's what really got me. My first huge opportunity uh, was that night in Memphis in 2007. And, and you know, it came about in, in some an odd and peculiar way with another driver getting suspended, Ted Musgrave. And I don't know where, and I've said this to Dale Jr., I don't know where my career would have gone without that night or without Dale Jr. calling me. Maybe I would have still figured it out. I, I, I don't know. That's one of the life's mysteries. But I'm so glad I didn't have to find out. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, glad, I, I'm glad I got that opportunity. And, and, you know, when young people come to me, whether it's racing or anything else, and, and they ask for any life advice, that, that's probably one of the biggest things I'll tell them is put yourself in position to get an opportunity. Right. And when you get that opportunity, dog, I mean, you got to be a dog on that opportunity. You got to sink your teeth in like a squeaky toy and don't let go. And you got to fight and growl and, and, and kick and scream and, and make the most of it. And uh, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. You know, I understand. Uh, I deal this. I deal with this with my brother Rusty, who, who's great. And uh, you know, Rusty's theory is always screw the past. I'm worried about the future. He always said that. He still says that. And and I get that. But I can't gloss over that you're a 2010 Xfinity champion with 39 wins. I mean, that's no joke. What did you learn in the Xfinity series? And, and here's the reason I asked this question. Two years later, I mean, are you kidding me? 2010, you win the Xfinity champion. In 2012, you're a cup champion. Yeah. That's unheard of. So what did you learn in the Xfinity series that catapulted you so fast? Well, I mean, it's, it's not one thing. It's everything. I learned everything in that series. I learned yeah. how to build a successful NASCAR team. I learned how to drive the car how to manage the races, um, people that I would need to be successful, how to draw the attention from the car owners I needed to, to, to have the resources. All that came from running the Xfinity Series. I, I couldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for that series. Yeah. So let's go to this day. I think we kind of laid the platform out. So what we try to do on the Kenny conversation is inspire people, let them know that you and – Ricky Stenhouse or Tony Stewart, Mark Martin, you know, Kevin Harvick. Everybody was junk when they first started their careers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everybody, you know. And, there, and there's this vision out there that, you know, this new thing, they call it daddy's money. Daddy's money didn't exist in our days. <laughs> daddy's money was, you know, we're going to melt lead from tire weights, and that's going to be our lead. So we've laid the platform out. So here you are right now, and you're 11th in the points. We know what you did at Penske Racing. We know that you won 35 wins. You, you did it all. You did it all at Penske. It, it could be said that after Rusty, 
you know, after my brother Rusty was at Penske, it could be said that you elevated Penske better than anybody, quicker than anybody. But now you decided to go to Jack Roush. And boy, he really played you in. Uh, you know, straighten me out. But I guess he calls you up one day and says, I need help. I'm getting older. I need somebody that's like me. How, how did that conversation go with Jack Roush asking you to take over his organization? Well, I never really spoke directly with Jack, but I spoke to his team. And his, his team said that, you know, Jack wanted to do this and that he was interested. And, and then they made a, a pretty aggressive uh, offer to me. Um, and there was mutual interest. I think all along the way, I've been looking for an opportunity to be a, a team owner. Um, you know, I, I'm very thankful for my time at Penske. Uh, certainly an incredible opportunity. Uh, was able to take that and run with it with some great people with great resources that Roger Penske uh, supplied me. But ultimately, my career was was getting pretty stagnant. And uh, I, I wanted to continue to grow. And that wasn't possible there. Uh, and that's nobody's fault. I mean, it, it just that's how life goes sometimes. And so I was looking at opportunities and I had a couple of different people actually ring on, on my, um, you know, kind of doorbell, so to speak, and, and, and say, hey, would you like to do this? Would you like to do that? And this was the strongest opportunity I had. Um, you know, it came at a u unique time in my life uh, where you know, I had the youth and experience to where I could still be a driver and an owner, which you know, is kind of the you know, sweet spot of life. And I felt like I could be successful. And then, of course, the NASCAR Next Gen car coming together at the same time. And so in light of all that, it just it felt like the right timing, right opportunity. I knew it was going to be a step backwards in my career. There's no question. Uh, but I'm a firm believer that sometimes you have to humble yourself and you have to take a step or two back before you can take three or four forward. And uh, I'm just now getting to uh, a spot, and, and you brought it up sitting at 11 points. I'm just now getting to a spot where it looks like I'm, I'm getting close to even to where I was at Penske. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, you know, a year and a half later. It, it'll probably be another year before I get to where I can really say that firmly. Uh, but we're making a lot of progress, Kenny, and I'm super proud of that. Um, and in the end, I'm going to be better for it. I'm going to own part of a team, hopefully a significant part of the team, um, and, and be able to uh, to be a successful race car driver as well. And, and what a dream come true that is for me. It's it's a kind of a life goal. Yeah, I want to get into the bolts and nuts of, uh, you know, picking the speed of the team up over the last year and a half. But before I do, it, it seems like um, the great ones, like uh, we just got done interviewing Joey Logano, and he's now getting involved in business parks. Uh, we look at Tony Stewart, who is part of Stewart Haas. It seems like this is the road uh, yeah. th that, you know, you want to, you know, stabilize your future. Um, when you looked at like a Tony Stewart, did you do this on your own or did you look around and go, hey, you know, there's examples out there of drivers, you know, being played into other teams. To be old. Yeah, Tony Stewart was definitely a huge, um, you know, I think motivator for me, seeing what he did at Stewart Haas Racing. And, and I don't want to speak for Tony. For me personally, the most impressive thing Tony Stewart's done in his whole career was, mm -hmm. was not a Gibbs. It was not an IndyCar. It wasn't any of those things. It was becoming a part of a team that wasn't successful at the cup level and winning a championship with it. That to me is his biggest career accomplishment. He, he might not feel that way. And, and I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, but going to Stuart Haas and making that team, you know, what, what was probably a 25th to 30th place team 
a championship team in three seasons, four seasons. I think that's super impressive. Um, and, and that is more than being a good driver. Um, it, 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 that is a lot of pieces coming together uh, and, and being a good car owner, being a good leader, being a good man. And uh, I think he deserves a, a lot of credit for it. He gets a lot of credit for being a good driver and he deserves it. Don't get me wrong, but this is a much bigger accomplishment for him than that. And, and I want the same. Yeah. He, he called an audible though, Brad, in my opinion, he was able to call, you know, some of his people that he was successful with at Joe Gibbs. So let's go, let's go now to the things that I know that you want to talk about maybe. So here you are, uh, you came out of the gates this year. Okay. Last year you get, you, you get to, you get the wheel bearings greased last year. You're, you're yeah, that's one way of putting them. Yeah, you, you burn you them out. <laughs> yeah, you got the wheel bearings packed last year. So now you go to Daytona this year and you win the Twin 150. Big deal. Now you're, you know, now you're showing up in the top ten. This you're, you're building the speed of the car. Uh, I, do you feel like this new next gen car has helped or hurt your progress? pretty neutral on it to be honest Kenny I don't think it, it was either I was hopeful that it would accelerate it which it, it, it really didn't uh our biggest challenge wasn't the car itself it was getting the people and the positions and the authority and the accountability all to line up uh, and and that would have been the case whether it was NASCAR next gen or the current car yeah right well my friend I'm a racer and we all build our own race cars and what you're doing right now is no easy task. And everybody in that garage area knows it. So it's fun to watch you, uh, you know, take that race team that fell from grace. You know, I mean, Roush yeah. is a legendary. We all know that. But we're all not idiots. So you're taking a team that, you know, you know, none of these owners are spring chickens now. And you're, you're building it. You know, sorry about your motor. Hey, by the way, what did you find out happened at, at that motor at Worldwide Technology? Yeah. Yeah. We dropped a valve um, pretty early on in the race at, at Gateway, which is a bummer. We haven't had any engine failures in almost two or three seasons. And, you know, it's a little bit of a roulette wheel. Sometimes it's just your turn, Kenny, and, and you hope that you can learn from it and be better for it. But, uh, you know, the guys at Roush H Engines, they're pushing hard and uh, we just probably pushed a little bit too hard. And, and, and you know what? Uh, somebody once told me you can't push a, a, a leash. You know, and so I, I'm I'm okay with that. We want them guys to be on the edge. We want them to be pushing it because that's what it takes to win. Whether it's the race car driver, whether it's the engine shop, whether it's the the chassis guys, the crew chiefs, and the pit calls, you have to be pushing the envelope to win races, and and at least at the cup level. Yeah, I'm really impressed. So before we move on to the end of the interview here, you know, we see your wife Paige, your children on social media. Uh, Looks to me like you have a beautiful family there. Things Thank are, you. It, it looks really good. You, you know, what, what's kind of crazy is, is you've done what people have already dreamed of, right? Most people would go, mm -hmm. you know, like, like me right now. I, I, I won nine Xfinity races, never won a cup race, you know. I'd cut one of my fingers off to do Oh, dang, run. Kenny. Don't do that. I would. I would. What you've done is unbelievable. But I think one thing I'm getting out of Kenny conversation is, damn it, you're – you know, you're, I can see in your face, you're, you're like a Roger Penske, you know, so what I want 18, you know, Indy 500s, you're, you're set on kill mode right now, aren't you? By far. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a lot I want to do. 
I see it, you know, Kenny, I see a tremendous opportunity in this sport. And you just brought something up. The car owners are, you know, the bulk majority are, are getting older. They're close to the 90. Business, yeah, the, the business is changing rapidly. And what it takes to be successful is changing rapidly. Uh, I'm really driven to pushing technology and, and, and manufacturing in the sport. I think that's what it's going to take to be successful. I've got a great group of talented people that I'm, I'm building around me uh, that I, I feel awesome about for, for years to come. I just, I look out the front windshield here, Kenny, and I look at the sport. I look at where I'm, I'm positioning our, our, my team and myself, and, and I'm just, I'm excited. Like, I don't want to rush this. Mm. I also can't wait to see what's going to happen. Like, I, I feel like I'm in the middle of the movie, and like, I, I, I feel really good about how the movie's going to play out, and, and I, I can't wait to see the end, but I also don't want to rush it. But I just, I love the way we're positioned. Uh, you know, I, I love the way I'm positioned in my life personally, professionally, all, all those things spiritually, they're all lined up. And uh, I'm in a great place. Uh, I just want to see it through. And um, I know that the, the job in front of me is, is large um, on and off the track, you know, having three, uh, two kids pretty soon to be three with my wife. She's expecting here oh, in wow. the next few months. So all blondes. Yeah. All blondes. Yeah. <laughs> blonde, blonde. <laughs> but uh you know, it, it, there's, there's a lot going on in my life, and but um, I, I couldn't be happier for it. You know, I, and then I, there's so much I want to do. I just want to make the most of this opportunity. I want to seize the moment in front of me. And um, I don't want it to come easy. I want to earn it. Mm. Uh, I just hope I get a fighting chance. And I don't need good luck. I just don't want bad luck. M Michigan style, hardcore. It's cold up there. Everything's <laughs> rusting out. And you're you're going to dig. You know, there's there's an old saying that says, be careful. Don't live life in fast forward. So it sounds to me like you're soaking it all in. You say you you you, you understand the challenge in front of you. I, I think this is just awesome. So thank you, Brad. But now it's time to move on towards the end of the show, which takes a little bit longer. So now, listen, Kenny Conversation, uh, you know, we, we've interviewed the best. And I ask every one of them this question. So not going to get you in trouble. And this is the same thing I told Tony Stewart and okay. Kevin Harvick and the best. So it's going to be about NASCAR. Yep. Uh, it's, it's a three-pronged deal. So let's start with the first. Hit me. What is your opinion on the state of NASCAR right now? Uh, you know, holistically, I'm, I'm fairly neutral. There's some things I really like. There's some things I really dislike. Uh, so holistically, I'm, I'm fairly neutral. Uh, I think there's potential for a big upswing in the next five to 10 years uh, with a lot of things that are going on, but we have some big, big challenges in front of us. And, and some of those are in our control. Some of us aren't uh, the ones that aren't in our control, you know, the environments around us, whether it be politically, uh, you know, or, or just generational. Uh, th those are big, big challenges that I think we need to be realistic about uh, that we can't control and that we have to, to, to learn to navigate. I think there's a lot of really passionate motorsports fans, but we are, we're losing some of the car generation, so to speak. We're, you know, there's a funeral every day right now uh, that, that is, is heavy on our fan base. Uh, and that's going to be a big challenge for us. We have to grow into new audiences, uh, which that makes me nervous. It really does. I think NASCAR is doing the right thing, shoring up some of the track agreements and uh, different initiatives they have with cars and, and so forth. But, there's some big challenges with the OEMs as well, where we're going there. So 
I think holistically I'm neutral. I like the investments that Jim France is making. I like the fact that there's a clear kind of present leader with Jim France. Uh, that's exciting for me. Uh, but the success here for NASCAR and for motorsports as a whole is going to have to be earned. It's not going to be given. Um, and, and there's a lot of work to do in front of us. If we're to believe half of it, article comes out that uh, looks like TV revenue is going to go up. They're going to involve some streaming with Amazon. I do know this to be fact because you and I know people in the industry and they're like, yeah, you know. So it, it, it caught me off guard. Unless they're lying, it appears there's going to be more TV money. Uh, did that catch you off guard that there'll be more money in TV for NASCAR? Yeah, I mean, no, the, the sports landscape is one of the things that's the most um, upside for the sport or the most interesting, uh, the, the TV landscape. You know, uh, it was only 20 years ago, uh, maybe 25 years, years ago now, that Seinfeld went off the air. Mm. Almost 100 million viewers watched the last episode of Seinfeld. Wow. Nobody watches TV shows anymore. Not You're like right. that. They don't watch TV shows. And so these networks, the only thing people really watch is sports. You have to keep my networks make their money. And, and I know you know this, Kenny, but maybe the audience doesn't. They make their money off of selling advertisements. You know, they got subscriptions if they're cable, advertisements if they're broadcast. And so they need ratings to do that, both of those. And, and the only thing that really generates consistent and trustworthy ratings right now are, are sports. Uh, and NASCAR is in a prime position uh, with being a sport that generates a consistent deliverable in, in months where most sports don't, by the way. Uh, most sports are, are pretty dead in the summer um, and, and even somewhat in the spring. So NASCAR's ability to deliver a significant rating to a network in, in those periods of times is extremely valuable and becoming more valuable by the day uh, as the, the, you know, the entertainment landscape changes. So it's, it's one of the opportunities. You know, I, I'm a big believer in SWOT analysis, Kenny. Strength, weakness, opportunity, threats. If you look at the SWOT analysis for motorsports right now, the biggest opportunity is the media landscape. And, and NASCAR is doing a great job of, I think, uh, working through that opportunity to maximize it. Streaming is going to be a part of it. I hear from fans all the time about streaming and, oh, I'm not so sure about this. I, no, 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 this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. You might not see it now. But a package that has a little bit of streaming and a little bit of broadcast in it is going to be tremendous for the consumer and ultimately the sport itself. Because right now, I don't know what your bill is, but I look at my uh, bill for, for you know, cable and, and for satellite internet and I go, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I only, I only watch three channels. If I could just buy the three channels I watch, it'd be way cheaper. Yeah. And that that's what uh, streaming is going to allow you to do. And when you, you combine that with... Um, uh, some broadcast, it'll be ultimately a better viewing experience at home for, for less money. And so I would encourage all of our fans to, to try to think open-minded about it. I think, yes, there will be a conversion and it will probably get a little bit difficult and challenging, but uh, I'm excited about this landscape for our sport. Man, I'm going to tell you what, you just educated the hell out of me. Uh, I, I consider myself not an idiot. I want to go back to that SWAT. Slow that down right there. Give me those four letters again. What is that? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. It's a form of business evaluation that uh, it's fairly popular where you, you kind of take the pulse of where you're at. You know, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? What do we got around the corner? It's a great opportunity for us to strike on. What's the threats around the corner that we need to, to build a defense against? 
uh, it's, it's a lot of how I run my businesses. And I really like that. And, and, and thanks for helping me. You know, I always, I've learned from Dick Trickle, Rusty Wallace, Dale Sr. I'm learning from you, but, uh, one thing's for sure, you know, uh, I've learned from all of them that, that life changes and you're, you're not all, you're learning every day. Uh, you just taught me a different way to look at why there'll be more money in TV because in the summertime, let's face it, all there is is baseball. Uh, and I love baseball, but you bring up a good point. So the next, the next, uh, the, the two, number two of this three prong question is the next gen car. What is your opinion of the next gen car? There are parts I like about it. Uh, and there's parts I don't like about it. Um, uh, I really like, this is my favorite part about the next gen car, Kenny. Finally, we have a car run side by side. If you remember the Gen 6 car, the Gen 5 car, the Gen 4 car, you run side by side, the inside guy would get loose and wipe out the outside guy. I hated that mm. because I felt like it killed the racing. I love the fact that you can run side by side with this car and it doesn't just whoop, spin out. I love that about it. Tires are biggest... wide on those these new cars, wide. Yeah, but it's not the tire, it's the arrow, Kenny. It's the yeah. arrow on the car that, that allows the car to run side by side. And, and I'm so thankful that we fixed that. That was a big, big win with this next-gen car. Uh, but then there's concerns I have. I don't like the fact that, you know, some of my fellow drivers have gotten hurt. I don't like that. I don't want to see drivers get hurt. Uh, I don't like the fact that the car's a, a tank and that you can run over people and, and keep going. Uh, I because agree. I think that's changed the dynamics of the racing. And, and, you know, everybody talks about Ross Chastain nowadays. You put Ross Chastain in a Gen 5, Gen 6 car, and he's in the garage at lap 50 because you can't touch people with those cars, or you couldn't hit them like they do now. Uh, <laughs> that was a good point. He'd have been wrecked out way early. Yeah, well, he, he wouldn't have been wrecked out. He'd have wrecked himself out. Right, I, knocked I, the radiator I, out. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I, I don't like that. We went too far. We went from a car that was probably a little too fragile to now a car that's like, hey, I can bounce this thing off the wall and just keep on trucking. I think that's probably a little too far. Yeah. So the, the last one, uh, and this is the one I think, I'm just going to throw my little two cents in here. This is the one that has made NASCAR so popular right now. I feel like we're trending upwards in NASCAR is these fines and penalties <laughs> are unprecedented. People love, yep. you know, the smash mouth sport where I get it. We're technical. We like analytics and computers and all this, but you know, I've taken some polls, Brad, these people just love, you know, Ross Chastain, you know, smashing Noah Graxon upside the face. Now, it's ugly. Me and you don't want to fight. What is your opinion of the fines of the cars and the penalties of the sport in totality? Well, the fines on the cars are, are necessary to get control of the garage area. Um, and without that, the business model doesn't work because the teams will just invest in cheating. And the more we invest in cheating – the tougher it gets to make this sport make any sense for, for us to, to be a part of long-term. And that's not good for anybody. Uh, ultimately, NASCAR needs to be about putting a great driver and a great team together and going out and kicking butt. And not, hey, who's got the best uh, fab shop that knows how to cheat the parts the best. And, and uh, you know, for a long time, that's what the racing was to some degree. And, and, and some people agree with that, some people disagree with that, but it, it can't stay that way. And so NASCAR's only way to keep that from happening is just to, to clobber these teams. And we've been clobbered. We deserve to be clobbered. And more teams are going to get clobbered. Hey, we might even get clobbered again ourselves. I hope not, but maybe. 
but they're, they're, they're changing the culture in the garage. And these Pele's, they leave a mark. Uh, and they leave team owners and car chiefs and team managers saying, hey, no, 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 we're not doing that anymore. Uh, and that's really important for our sport. So I think that's been quite healthy. You know, the, the penalties for intentionally wrecking each other, I think those have been healthy too. Um, you know, NASCAR has this, this big challenge, Kenny, of we set the precedent for other forms of motor racing too. And when NASCAR lets intentional wrecking and things like this go by and turns a blind eye, it starts to happen in other divisions. Um, and so I think we have to, to never forget that. Yeah. Wow, pretty incredible. You know, uh, I like what you have to say because I feel like you're the new, you know, Jeff Burton was always the mayor and he he, he would talk like a politician, you know, with his thumbs up in the air. <laughs> but, but yeah, right. But, but I really feel like you talk, you're so well-spoken. Uh, I know you never want to, but I, I feel like you could lead NASCAR. Um, and it, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on Kenny Conversation. And, uh, you know, it, it's been awesome. Now, I'm going to be 60 in August, so I've kind of watched you. I've watched your movie. You've come out of Rochester, you know, Michigan. And I watched you with that checkbook, buy an ARCA car, and, and become one of the greatest drivers. And still to this day, in a fun, loving way, I just loved it when you drank that cold, <laughs> baby, and, and celebrated that championship. Well, I'd like to do it again, Kenny. That's my goal. I want to win another championship. I want to do what Tony did. I want to win as a driver and owner. And I want to stand in victory lane and with all the cameras and all the media around me and and, and they're pulling at you. And I just want to sit down and drink a beer. I think that would be great with my wife and my kids and my friends and my family and the team around me. That That's that's the day that I live for. It's a day I dream of. And um, I'm trying to make that a reality. Well, hey, one last thing. Uh, you got me thinking. When you won that championship in 2012, I take it none of your children were born or were they? No, I wasn't married, didn't have any kids. So That's why you want to win it all again. I, you know what? It's a big part of it. I want my kids to see it. I want my wife to be there with me, and I, I want to just relish that moment. Took us all the way to the end to get to the very bottom of that. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife said, uh, I told my wife, honey, I'm thinking about slowing my, my dirt racing down. She says, not until your grandbabies go to victory lane with you. So that's, ah. a, that's and we, we did it at the end of last year. It, it took beautiful timing, but I love you, Brad. I know you're hardcore. You're getting it done. All of us in the racing industry, see what you're doing. We know how hard it is. And uh, listen, Thank you so much for coming on, Brad. And remember, everybody, we are in podcast form. You can check us out on iTunes or Spotify. Remember to like and subscribe. We're having a good time here. Until the next, until the next interview. Thanks, Kenny. Thank you, Brad. That was awesome, brother.